10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We were all brought up in this, if you see a way you can help, you should help. Hi, this is Casey Harris from X Ambassadors. I think it's also very much a symptom of Ithaca because most of the people I know who've grown up here feel the same way. It's very much a communal town and I think living here and growing up here instills that sense of, of responsibility. When you can do something, you should do something. You're tuned to listener supported WRFI. This is Ithaca. This ain't New York City, man. No, it's definitely like a long, slow grind. I mean, me and Sam had obviously been playing music for a while beforehand, but we really formed as the band in 2007. My brother had the genius idea of, I don't know if this is public knowledge, but no one takes you seriously as a band if you contact them to play a gig at their venue. But if you pretend to be the band's manager and contact them, they'll take you seriously. So Sam made up this fake guy's name. I think his name was Paul Lewis and made up a whole email account for him and everything. Paul Lewis at Gmail or something like that and would email venues saying, hi, I manage this band called X Ambassador. We were called Ambassadors back then. And that was how we booked gigs for a long time was faking our way in. We were still working like day jobs when we started touring too. My brother was working at a restaurant. I was tuning pianos, you know, both at the store and then up in Ithaca up here. Um, and Adam, I don't even know what Adam was doing for his job, but we were all um, all still on our grind. But then, you know, we would, you know, all talk to our bosses and get, you know, a week or two off and then go off and, and tour around, usually around the East Coast because that's all we could reach with our van in that amount of time but we would just play shows everywhere that would have us. And, you know, in the midst of all this, we were recording an album, or I guess it was more of an EP, it was a short album, but we were unsigned and we were recording it on spec, this place an hour outside of New York City in the Marinette. What have I done? At the time, we basically assumed we would be in debt for the rest of our lives when we recorded that. It was a... It was out there in the world, and we had a real manager by this point. We finally had gotten hooked up with Seth Callen, who's actually a genuine manager. And uh, one of the things he got us was a placement for one of our songs in a TV show called One Tree Hill, our song Lee Toast. But if you stay, if you just stay for the And this guy, who's a DJ in a city called Norfolk, Virginia, he had heard our song from someone else's Spotify playlist or something weird like that, but had heard the song, liked it, got a copy of it, and decided to try to play it on the air. And lo and behold, unexpectedly, he suddenly got all these calls requesting that song again. And so it became like a number one hit just in this one city in Virginia, in Norfolk. It was a weird sort of chain of events where we were pretty well known in the town by that point. And Imagine Dragons were in the town to play a show. And um, Dan Reynolds, him and the band were driving with a cab driver. 
and were just talking to him and asking him what he was listening to. And the guy played them actually a different song of ours. He played them an acoustic version that we recorded it. I don't even remember when or where, but of Unconsolable. And it was very much a stripped down, raw, totally acoustic version uh, with me playing Rhodes, Sam on guitar. We had a toy piano in there, I think, too. Just like very bare bones. But I guess they liked the way it sounded. And especially Dan Reynolds brought us to the attention of his you know, producer at the time, Alex DeKid, who, you know, I guess was interested enough in us to bring us to the attention of the label. And next thing we knew, we were flying out to California to do some demo writing with Alex and... Uh, yeah, that all went well, and pretty much next thing we were we were getting signed. Yeah, and that's sort of where it all kicked off. Then we you know, recorded VHS with Renegades on it, and that song completely unexpectedly to us, took off. We honestly almost didn't put that song on the album. It was a very much a last minute addition, and we had no idea that that would be the star song of our entire career up to that point. So we're a little less than two years apart. I'm. 20 months older, I think. Yeah, 20 months older than Sam. But so we were close enough in age that growing up, we, you know, we played together all the time, but we also fought all the time. It was a very violent childhood between the two of us. We would uh, make sure we each left the day with contusions. But at the same time, you know, we'd also, you know, in between fights, we'd play together because, you know, especially living out here sort of a bit far out of town, you know, and a lot of times it was just us two as playmates. We didn't have other options. And I think that, you know, sort of forced us to really become really close. And I mean, I think the fighting was part of that. From his perspective, it was the other guys in his band who were asking, you know, oh man, you know, can't we get some keys on this track? And so Sam grudgingly went to ask the only keyboard player he knew, which was me. Um, and yeah, very reluctantly, but more power to him, he did it. And that honestly really brought us back together because then we started you know we would rehearse together we'd play music together we'd play shows and load our gear together we rediscovered our friendship as brothers um that was right around when we really started to talk about you know trying to make this band thing a career an actual lifelong thing we were having so much fun doing it around here that you know, figured, why not give it a try in the big, wider world? And Sam had this vision of moving to New York City for years, and I had no idea where I was going to go after high school and after I learned how to tune pianos, so I just sort of drifted to New York, too. And, yeah, next thing we knew, we were still making music together, and, and uh, man, it just, I guess we've never stopped. <laughs> It's a quote from Spider-Man. It's his most famous quote is that with great power comes great responsibility. Me and Sam were big Spider-Man fans growing up and that really sunk in. So, I mean, whenever people ask us, you know, why we feel it's important to try to use our platform as a band, 
to fight for causes that we believe in. And, you know, if you have the platform, if you have people listening to you, it's your responsibility to you know, try to make the world a better place in any little bit that you can. Yeah, so I mean, it's a esoteric, you know, thing. It was uh, so my mom's brother lived in England for a while and uh, was staying with someone who had a piano, and they got their piano tuned. And the guy who came out to tune the piano was blind. And as soon as you know, mom had mentioned it to me, it clicked wait, wait, because I love pianos, I love music, I love tech, I love uh, science and anything mechanical or anything engineering related. So it seemed like a just a natural for me and then we just you know me and mom through a little internet sleuthing we found this school that unfortunately they just closed about a year or two ago but it was called the Emil Fries School of Piano Tuning and Technology in uh, Vancouver Washington and they had a program specifically to teach blind and visually impaired people how to tune but also how to fully repair and rebuild and reconstruct a piano from the ground up I've lost most of that knowledge now but when I graduated, I could have built you a piano practically from scratch. One thing especially that I've realized is really special about Ithaca to me as a visually impaired and blind person, and this is a result of me growing up here, but it's the only city where I can have no GPS and no guide, no assistance, and still I can wander around the city and know basically where I was and know how to you know, get back home pretty much at any time, which I don't have that experience in any other city, in any other place in the world. All crossing. Walk sign is on for all crossing. All crossing. Walk sign is on for all crossing. It's almost a feeling of power. It's a feeling of independence and control and just being able to be myself to the fullest because, you know, I know this town, I know what to expect, I know where everything is, I know who half the people are, you know, it feels very comfortable but exciting at the same time. And uh, yeah, and a lot of that was from growing up here, from just being able to walk around the streets downtown and familiarize myself with them and, you know, there was no GPS really when I was growing up walking around Ithaca. and. You know, I would get lost on occasion. There would always be some friendly person who'd help me find my way back to a street that I knew. Um, pretty much just by memory. I remember where a lot of the streets are, and um, I remember where a lot of landmarks are. You know, the Commons is a landmark, obviously, although it looks totally different now than when, when I was a kid. I always know when walking down State Street when I'm passing Gimme, because it smells like coffee, you know, and uh, the State Diner, because it smells like breakfast. It's little things, it's different things throughout the city. Like I know where the entrance to one of the little waterfall park areas are that I used to go and hang out all the time as a kid and I recognize it because of the bridge that's about to start. This is a hard one because I'm not sure what's actually changed and what it's my perception of has changed. But I do think the city is faster paced now. It's busier and faster paced than it was when I was growing up. I'm pretty sure there's more people here than there used to be. The downtown, especially in Ithaca, seems much more nowadays like a downtown in a city. There's more bustle, there's lots of new shops popping up. It's not a bad thing at all, I think it's exciting, but um, yeah, it's definitely faster and more crowded than it used to be.
So on Father's Day, we had finished rehearsing in Philadelphia, and I hopped in a car and drove the four and a half hours from there to Ithaca. And my wife and baby flew in from L.A. to meet me in Ithaca on the evening of Father's Day. And uh, it was just... Magical is really the only word I can think to describe having my family, who I obviously love so much, here in this place that means so much to me and that just has such emotional meaning attached to it. It really just, you know, I was, I kept on having to pinch myself. Uh, last I lived in Ithaca, I was but a child. And now just to be able to live here again, even if it's only for part of the year, with my family is just, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Cause you know, when I left, I was the kid in the family. Now I'm, I'm back here and I'm a dad, I'm a husband. And uh, yeah, it just, it feels like a full circle. Twitter that you've traveled. Paris, Amsterdam, and Berlin, where I'm oh, from. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome, man. <laughs> Berlin's honestly one of our favorite cities to play. Definitely this last run, and that was really cool, man.